Utah football offensive coordinator Andy Ludwig just sitting down to talk with the media. Listen live. Improvement uh, that needs to be made. He did get better from week one to week two. We need to see substantial improvement from week two to week three. We'll go next to Trevor Allen, followed by Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune. We've seen a lot of really good things from uh, Ty, Ty Jordan as, as as one of the backs for you. Is he going to be getting more carries? Is he, is he starting to separate himself from the other running backs? He is an explosive, dynamic young man, and uh, he deserves to get more touches, and that is the plan moving forward. We'll go next to Josh Newman. Hey, Andy, good morning. Um, now that we're past Thanksgiving and there's no longer students on campus, do you and the other coaches kind of view the virus as maybe easier to deal with within your program now that campus is empty? Uh, no, no, it's a, it's a daily, it is a daily task uh, with the players, with the staff in terms of testing and protocols and all the, all the logistics that we're working through and, and combating the virus. Uh, did, did the campus clearing out alleviate some of the potential exposures? Absolutely. But uh, now's not the time to let our guard down. Andy, just a quick follow-up. Um, at some point here, are you, are you optimistic that Covey can, can get healthier and, and maybe play a larger role within your offense? I, I am optimistic. I am uh, planning on, you know, that was a game-time decision. He didn't really practice at all or very, very little during the course of last week. And uh, the intention is that he will practice today and be uh, a key part of this game plan. Our next question will come from Trevor Allen. Kyle's mentioned throughout the last two weeks that the uh, O-line has really needed to, to step up their game. Uh, after, you know, the, the game against Washington, how, how would you uh, say the O-line has played? The, uh, the, the offensive line – Produced, produced excellent uh, or had excellent production in the run game last week. The pass protection continues to be an area of emphasis, but that's a uh, there's some young players in that group that are getting better each day, and we are going to lean on that group and count on that group to continue to improve because obviously it all starts up front. But it's a it's a very talented group. Just some of those guys got to grow up a little faster. We'll go back to Jeff Call of the Deseret News. Yeah, are you surprised with the number of turnovers that have happened? Is this something that uh, you saw in practice and camp, or is this something that surprised you, the number of uh, turnovers? Uh, I'm disgusted with it. Not surprised, disgusted. Uh, no, didn't, didn't see it coming. We have been a very good ball security football team, and uh, – and it is a constant point of emphasis with every player uh, on the offensive unit. But uh, obviously, we have to we have to uh, do a much better job of taking care of the football. It's all about the ball, so we got to do a much better job, especially starting with the quarterback position. Okay. Do we have any more questions for Coach Ludwig? All right. All right, there is a brief media session for Utah Offensive Coordinator Andy Ludwig. At the very start there, he's talking about Jake Bentley saw improvement from week one to week two, but much more improvement is needed week two to week three, and disgusted with the turnovers, PK. Bringing it. 
Well, if you know Andy, that is classic Andy Ludwig. He's not a big talker. He doesn't waste words. But if you interview him, he gets to the point. If you ask him a direct question, he gives you a direct answer and very succinctly, yes. And so were you surprised? I am disgusted by them. (laughs) That's about as strong as you can put out there because obviously that's going to thwart any attempt you have to win games. And, uh, you know, for a good while, it's funny, a few years back, when they were first making the transition, they weren't getting a lot of turnovers on, on from the defensive perspective. And Kyle felt like he was mystified by that. and Maybe it was just a talent issue, and they didn't have guys who were quite good enough. Then, as they got going, man, they seemed to just dominate in that category. And John Peace was there, and he would talk about four and a score. You know, that was his catchphrase. He won four turnovers, one of which was an actual score. Well, that's a lofty goal. But if you got that, I mean, that literally is just free points that you can't really count on, and it makes a huge, huge difference. Well, the flip side of that is when you're turning it over, you're giving the other guy the free stuff, and you're hurting yourself big time. So this offense right now is not prolific enough. You know, last year they probably could have withstood it a little bit, but certainly not this year. And I've got to say, and I I don't like to – college kids they're, they're still college kids even though it's a business we know all that so it's hard for me to crack on guys they really don't want to do it but i have been underwhelmed to an extent with the quarterback play uh i think that's understandable um before we move on to that the four and a score thing the ute defense forced three turnovers in the washington game kind of lost and the fact that they lost the game and that the Utes turned it over four times. But they had three takeaways, but they also dropped the pick six. And I did think of Coach Peace because I was thinking, well, there was the score because that was a pick six. You know, you're picking off at the 15, 20-yard line, wherever it was. It was deep. And there wasn't going to be anybody to stop them from scoring. Just don't fall down, right? That, that would That's really the only thing. And in a game that close, you know, that could have been the difference in the win. Um, you know, as far as the, the quarterback play being underwhelming, there's this whole debate about, you know, were the Utes sitting on the lead? Um, well, when you run the ball that much, that's going to be the view of it. But they run the ball better than they throw the ball. So if you throw the ball and blow the game, then it's, why didn't they run the ball? Because clearly they're better at running the ball than they are at throwing the ball. I mean, you're not really supposed to rush for more yardage than you throw. It's, it's easier to get big chunk plays in the passing game. So when you have 144 yards passing and you have 215 yards rushing and you're averaging over five yards a carry, I get why you keep running the ball. And it ought to set up some play-action passes that ought to be pretty easy for the quarterback. You would think Oregon State would be prepping for a Utah team that runs the ball this week because watching the way they run it and watching the way they've thrown it, what else would you expect that you're going to face as a defense? Okay, yeah, uh, sure, that, that's all fine. But in, in football's the ultimate team game, and it's hard for me to just to pin this loss on the offense. I know Jake and Gordon were just talking about that in their promo yeah. about getting conservative, and if you want to go that way, that's fine. But the, the defense still gave up 24 points and a half, which isn't good enough. And at the end there, you know, how do you explain that the – the offense of Washington is doing nothing in the first half, and then they get that ball down at the end of the game. And what what was the yardage they needed to go for the score? Yeah, the length of the field. It. Yeah, the length. Yeah. Of, they had to go the length of the field. Right. Cut. So 
Go ahead. Kyle had Kyle. All he knows all the odds. If you talk to him about this, he can tell you. If you start with the ball at your own twenty yard line, an offense that starts at its own twenty has to go eighty yards, scores whatever it is. I don't know, twenty two percent of the time. You know, th- there's a specific number. He knows what it is, and he knows if they've got to go seventy yards or sixty yards or forty yards or ten yards. He knows all that stuff, and I think that was the distressing thing. Not, I mean, yes, that Washington scored um, twenty four points. But the only time the defense really got hit with the short field, they held them to a field goal. Um, the game-winning touchdown drive was an 88-yarder. The first touchdown coming out of the locker room was a 72-yarder. Those, those long drives are eating them up. You know they are. 12 plays, 88 yards, and four minutes to win the game. Yeah, but when I look at it, if I'm going to be more – understandable of which side is going to have its struggles seems to me that it's more on the defensive side i expected some more out of the offense and maybe that's just not realistic because they did have some proven commodities up front and at the receivers they didn't at running back dead to an extent with a couple of guys but ty jordan obviously is a first year freshman so he had zero carries so uh, even though I didn't necessarily know what to expect from him, he certainly has been a pleasant surprise. But the big thing, and what we said all along, is coming home to roost, is that we weren't sure what we were going to get out of quarterbacking. And uh, we're not getting good enough quarterbacking right now. Obviously, it's an old a, a, a theme there for an extent for BYU. Or not BYU, but Utah. Tyler Huntley, you know, we didn't have to worry about that last year. He was sensational most of the time. And now we're back to where we were. And maybe that's a little bit understandable because he had injuries, but Tyler Huntley was basically a three-year starter. Uh, so it seems like you should have to rebound a little bit from that. But we we put in so much stock in those 33 starts from Bentley, but it doesn't seem like the production is there. No, it doesn't seem like it's paid off. Um, the other thing I think that uh, Andy Ludwig said there is that Ty Jordan's going to get more, cut- more touches. Yeah, he had 10 sure. carries, and they threw him the ball four times. So 14 touches. Uh, Brumfield had 10 carries, and he caught the ball three touches. times. So yeah. pretty much split there. And Wilmore did have... Uh, eight carries as well. So it'll be interesting to see not just that Ty gets more, but who gets used less, right? And Unless they have more than 65 snaps. But Kyle likes to shorten games, so they don't strike me as a team that's going to get 85 snaps in a game. Well, very, Jordan's going to have often. to get at least 15 carries. You would think that that's where this is headed, yeah. 15 carries and throw him the wall five times. Seems like it's a little bit of an upgrade from week one to two and expect another upgrade from week two to three after you uh, – you hear what Andy Ludwig says there. You know, there are right. a couple of big plays in this game, and it was three. I think they had three big plays in this game, and one was a Brian Thompson catch, and the other two were Ty Jordan. So, those are the guys who were giving you the. Wilmore's uh, long run was 11 yards. Um, Jordan, I think he had well, like a 33 yarder or something like that, and then he had the 46 yarder that got him first and goal. It's all about production, and Jordan has demanded. He get more production. Those are that's just a fact. Or get more opportunity to get production, I should say. All right, Yach wants us to take a break. We might be able to get Jake Bentley here. We are going to get Kyle Whittingham at eight thirty. So you fans stay with us. More from your guys coming up on ninety seven five and twelve eighty the zone. Now let's get this party started. 
This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Larry Kraskoviak, head coach of the Utah men's basketball team. We all love to play this game. I've been around it forever. I don't know where I'd be without basketball. I think if you took a poll of our coaches and staff and all of the players on our team, they would say the same thing. Like, where in the world would we be without basketball? So um, we're excited to be back on the court and competing and um you know, sweating and getting tired and trying to put a product out there that's going to win some games. And so that's what we're doing. I think when we get out there on the court, everybody's thrilled to be doing it because it was cancellation of March Madness. It was taken away from us. So, you know, soak it up uh, when we can and you just don't know how long you're going to be able to keep doing it. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. PK brought to you in part by Zero Res. Put your best foot forward with the Zero Res cleaning before the holiday season. Clean in November, make a food donation to Zero Res, and they'll clean a fourth room for free. Forwards or backwards, Zero Res is the right way to clean. Call them at 801-288-9376. All right, we are awaiting Jake Bentley, Utah quarterback, about to uh, go to the podium and uh, talk to the media here in the weekly uh, availability for the Utes. Kyle Whittingham, Utah head coach, Coming up at 8.30, we already heard from offensive coordinator Andy Ludwig, who was disgusted by the turnovers. And if you weren't here for the tone of voice, you really missed it. That was classic. Disgusted. I would think if I were in a meeting room with Andy and I were a Utah offensive player, I would have very little to say right after I heard that. Oh, unless I was a lineman and I'd say, don't blame me. (laughs) I didn't do it. (laughs) Turnovers aren't a me problem. Not my fault, uh, unless the quarterback gets hit or something like that. Uh, but, yeah, uh, if you're not a pro- prolific offense putting up 45 points a game, then every possession matters, and it becomes uh, doubly devastating depending on where the turnover is because not only do you squander an opportunity to move the ball, but you could put the other team's offense in primary position to actually score themselves. So, yeah, it can be a double whammy in many cases. Uh, so you, ha- you know that last interception he threw against USC, that wasn't a double whammy. It was a hail mary at the end of the game. They weren't going to win the game anyway. So it's somewhat misleading just to point to the raw numbers of nine turnovers, uh, because that had no bearing on the game. But the others did, obviously. I mean, fumbling inside your own ten, <laughs> that's uh, has a direct bearing on the game, and you got to get a handle on that, man. You just can't do it. You just. Especially well, <laughs> with the Utes, who are not built usually to be prolific offensively. Right. I think there's a couple things there. Uh, even if you give them a pass on the interception at the end of the Washington game, which wasn't quite as Hail Mary-ish, although it was pretty desperate, that's still seven turnovers in two games, and that's still way too many. You know, I think the general recognition in, in football, if you turn it over three times, you got a great chance of losing the game. Washington got away with it because they forced four, but they had three turnovers of their own that were going to going to cost them that that game if they weren't careful. Although they also threw a Hail Mary at the end of the first half, so, so maybe they only feel like they really had two. Um, but the Utes had the ball six times in the second half, and they had three turnovers. And certainly one of them gave Washington three points, and one of them probably cost Utah seven points. That is ten points in a three-point game. So fix that, and you fix a lot of your problems. Don't fix that, and you will continue to have problems. Yeah, you know, what, what? that's what sucks about this season because really when you look at it, they're only one game off the pace of last year. 
I know, right? But we look at it so drastically different because there's not going to be all these opportunities to rack up all these wins against uh, the Arizonas and Colorados of the world from last year, right? It's not going to be there. I realize they still have to play Colorado. But we will really never know to what extent did they or did they not get it together. You know, just because you play more games doesn't always mean you're going to get it together, right? But I mean, they lost the first game against SC last year, and then they won They won eight in a row. All right, let's check in with Utah quarterback Jake Bentley sitting down to speak to the media on the weekly Zoom conference. Uh, right now, Kyle Winningham will follow at 8.30. Here's Jake. By Trevor Allen with KSL uh, Sports. Hey, Jake, good morning. Morning. Um, Coach Ludwig was on here a few minutes ago, and he sounded, uh, I guess you'd say, very displeased with the turnover situation. Um, now that you've had a few days, you know, and you've seen the film, just what are your thoughts on what the turnover situation is right now? Yeah, man, it starts with me, and I got, I got to be better in that, in that area for sure. Um, you know, it's something that has to be eliminated if we want to win games. And, um, you know, it's something we plan on getting fixed this week at practice. Jake, just a quick follow-up. Um, Orlando is generally the center, but Nick kicked inside on Saturday night. From a preparation standpoint, how difficult is it to practice with different centers, and what do you expect that situation to look like against Oregon State? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's definitely it's definitely a challenge, but I mean, I think that's what this whole year's been. This whole year's been a challenge, and um, but you know, I thought Nick did a great job, and um, not really sure what, what it's going to be like this week, but whatever it is that. I know they'll be fully prepared uh, and ready to go. Next up is Trevor Allen with KSL Sports, followed by Ryan Costeca with SI.com. Jake, kind of going off of what Josh said, you you uh, you know going over the film. What 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 stood out in that second half where you guys just weren't able to put any points up on the board? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you, know, you look at it. And we moved the ball at times, and then you know we had the. Uh, the interception, the, the fumble, the fourth down stop. So just a lot of things where it kind of gave them the momentum back. And um, there's something that, that we can allow to happen, especially when we had them down 21 to zero. You know, I think we got to keep the, keep the pedal in the metal and just uh, um, just to continue to, to pour it on them and not let them get back in the game. Next up is Ryan Costeca, followed by John Kuhn with the AP. Hey, Jake, how are you doing this morning? Doing good. So, Brant, you know, Brant Keithy is one of the most dynamic players in the conference. Um, you know, speak to kind of his talent, his skill set, and how come he hasn't really been a part of the game plan, you know, through two games thus far? I mean, he had a great first quarter, you know, last game, but kind of silenced the rest of the way. How do you get him more involved? Yeah, I mean, uh, Brant's, uh, you know, one of those guys um, that, that can definitely bust the game open one play. Um, and, um, but, yeah, we've got to find ways to keep getting him involved. Um, when we get him the ball, good things happen for our offense. And, um, you know, we just got to continue to, you know, defense makes adjustments too, the way they're, the way they're playing them. Um, so we got to, you know, you know, make some too and, and find ways and creative ways to get him the ball um, however we can. Final question will come from John Kuhn with AP. Jake, uh, the first couple of games you've, you've had several plays where you've, kept the ball on quarterback runs, uh, popped tacklers at the end of the plays, uh, absorbed hits. 
Um, it's, it's not something you've consciously tried to work into your game to, to be more of a runner as well as a pocket passer. And are you concerned about absorbing some of the hits that you've been absorbing? No, I, I definitely think it's, uh, you know, just playing ball. I, I feel, feel good. And I'm just trying to do whatever it takes to move the ball down the field. Um, I think there were some plays where I could have stayed in the pocket a little bit longer. So, um, you know, got to work on that. But just just trying to make a play, really. And um, as far as the hits, I mean, I know it sounds weird, but as long as you know how to take a hit, it really don't hurt. Um, they, they hurt when you when you slow down and, and let them just, you know, hit you with their full force. But if you're taking it to them a little bit, it, it, it kind of makes it not hurt as bad. So. All right, there is Jake Bentley, Utah quarterback on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. PK, not much he can say about turnovers other than he has to stop making them. Yeah, you know, he brought up a point that I sort of forgot, and now I remember it very, very well. That fourth and one and not getting it is basically a turnover. I mean, you got to get a yard. It's as simple as that. So you can add that to the things that the, uh, are the ailments that are obviously ailing this offense right now. I got a fourth and one. That's just something that has to be accomplished. You've got to move the chains, man. You've got to get that first down. So that's essentially the same thing as a turnover. It definitely gives up the 40 yards of field position and is a momentum play. Here's Kyle Whittingham, Utah head coach. Sure to indicate that you'd like to ask a question and get in the queue. Go ahead, coach. Thank you. Okay, a quick look back at the uh, Husky game last weekend. Uh, we played an outstanding first half both offensively and defensively. Uh, did a lot of good things. And then, unfortunately, the second half couldn't get much done. Uh, and didn't play well on either side of the ball in the second half. So, so consequently, uh, didn't get, uh, you know, didn't get a victory. And, and uh, really a, a very similar storyline, uh, ultimately, as, you know, like it was in the first week with the turnovers being the, the major problem that plagued us. Uh, turned the ball over four times, uh, and you just can't do that. You know, we talked about that the week before against the uh, Trojans, and we played another outstanding football team in the in the Huskies last week. And, and when you turn the ball over four times, and three of those were in the second half, you just don't give yourself much of a chance. So, so that was unfortunate. Uh, a lot of positives in the game. A lot of positives. We ran the football exceptionally well. Over 200 yards rushing. Over five yards of carry. Uh, defended the run exceptionally well, less than 100 yards again. Uh, I think it was 88 yards uh, total for the Huskies. Uh, came away with some takeaways of our own on defense, uh, three interceptions. Thought the secondary made some made some plays. Uh, so so a lot to build on and uh, things to carry forward. But uh, no moral victories. I'm not trying to paint that picture. But I thought we took a step forward as a football team from uh, week one to week two. Um, looking ahead now to uh, this weekend, Oregon State coming in here, a team that's feeling very good about themselves, and they should be after beating uh, the Ducks. That was a big win for them. Uh, they got a running back that's uh, really in high gear right now and, and uh, doing a good job for them. And, and uh, they, you know, they're a good football team, and as evidenced by their win against Oregon last week. So we've got our work cut out for us again this week. We need to take another step forward as a football team and uh, just keep working hard and keep uh, keep trying to get better and, and progressing. So that's where we're at. Questions? 
We'll go first to Trevor Allen, KSLSports.com, followed by Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune, John Kuhn, Associated Press. Kyle, you you had talked about the the running back a little bit. Is that is that job one when you guys are are, are scouting Oregon State just to stop him first? Yeah, that's that's uh, definitely uh, a top priority, and that's pretty much every week. There's some exceptions, but but. Uh, that's the starting point for our defensive planning is, okay, what do we got to do to stop the run? How are we going to control the gaps and, and uh, what fronts do we need to, to uh, employ? And so that, uh, and even more so this week when you got a guy running the football like, like their guy is. And so that is, uh, that's our starting point. Next, Josh Newman, followed by John Kuhn. Hey, Kyle, good morning. Good morning, Josh. Um, I'm, I'm just curious, now that we're past Thanksgiving and campus is going to be mostly empty for a while, do you believe that that alleviates uh, at least some concern in, in terms of dealing with the virus and keeping your players safe, that campus is now empty? I guess it would. You know, I hadn't thought of that, but, uh, yeah, we're trying to keep them as uh, safe as possible and, and uh, out of harm's way. And we've had to move a bunch of them to a hotel, you know, to separate guys and, and uh, just do everything we can to mitigate the uh, you know the likelihood of of, uh, of COVID and and I think our our staff has done an excellent job doing that. We've had our share of problems, like everyone else in the country, like almost everybody else in the country. But uh, yeah, I think that uh, the less people you're around, the better. And uh, now that campus is empty, the, the guys that are on campus uh, in the dormitories, that's uh, more of a, a safe environment, I would say, than than much people there. Kyle, just a quick follow-up to what you said. I'm not asking names or specific numbers, but can you maybe put a percentage of, of how much of your roster is staying in a hotel off campus? Uh, you know, I'd have to ask Jeff Rudy. He's our guy that orchestrates all that. It's not a high percentage, but but it's uh, what we did is guys that, you know, if you, if you live together and one guy gets it, it's a high-risk exposure for the other guy. And so we've just tried to make sure we've separated everybody as best we can and put them in the best possible scenario, and it really has uh, been a benefit in a lot of in a lot of instances in the last uh, few weeks where uh, we've been able to isolate things that that wouldn't have been as isolated uh, if we hadn't made that move. And so, appreciate our uh, medical staff and administration for for allowing us to to get that done. Next, we'll go to John Kuhn, Associated Press, followed by Ryan Kasteka, SI.com. Good morning, Kyle. Morning. Um, Looking at at your running game the last couple weeks, you've taken a committee approach, uh, distributed the the carries quite a bit. Has there been one or two running backs out of the group that have started to rise to the top from your perspective that have started to separate themselves on the field? Well, I think you've seen Ty Jordan really do some good things for us the last couple of weeks, and especially last week, his his touches went up uh, in this last game, and and uh, he, if anybody, that is starting to separate himself a little bit from the pack. Now, every uh, every one of those four guys has a role and, and brings something to the table, but as far as just productivity and uh, explosiveness and playmaking ability, big playmaking ability, I think you see that in Ty Jordan in particular. And uh, you saw him rip off a couple runs there in the game. Uh, you know, we did, did. He did put the ball on the ground one time, which uh, is unfortunate because had we, uh, you know, we're deep in the red zone. If we score on that drive, I believe we win the game. But, but uh, he's he's doing the best he can for a young freshman. He'll get better with his ball security, 
and he did a, a great job for us in that game, making some some big plays. And and so if there's any any separation that's starting to occur, I would say Ty Jordan is the guy that uh, is starting to uh, separate himself. Next, we'll go to Ryan Costeca, followed by Steve Bartle. Hey, Coach, how you doing this morning? Good, thank you. So Brant's one of the most dynamic players in the Pac-12. How do you get him more involved moving forward? I mean, he had the good first quarter against Washington, but kind of non-existent elsewhere, including the USC game. How do you get him more involved? Yeah, we got to keep him involved and, and get him more touches. Now defenses are putting, you know, they're very, they're very, very much aware of Brant and paying attention to him, and, and uh, had a good player on him on Saturday. Uh, but we've got to continue to be more creative and, and uh, get him the ball different ways. You saw him carry the ball on a on an orbit reverse there. And we need to do more of that. And that's our job as coaches to, to get that done. And we haven't uh, maximized him as well as we should have in the first couple of games. And moving forward, unless people are just outright going to double team him every snap, we got to find more ways to get him get him touches. Because you're right, he's he's one of the more dynamic tight ends in the country. And uh, we've got to uh, find a way to maximize that. Steve Bartle, followed by Josh Newman and Trevor Allen. Good morning, Coach. I uh, wanted to ask you about the, the pass rush and just your level of concern um, in terms of, you know, being productive in your pass rush. Yeah, well, it wasn't good enough on Saturday. It was pretty good the week before. We came away with three sacks in, in the opener, but zero sacks last week. Uh, we did apply some pressure. Most of the pressures we dialed up happened to be uh, a lot of them happened to be versus the run which which helped us out as well we made some big plays in the defending the run with with some of those pressures but our four-man rush wasn't as good to us as it usually is and traditionally has been and we really could have used a sack on that last drive that last drive was 12 plays and 80 something yards and and uh, that's when you need a big sack to uh, thwart the drive when we weren't able to do that and uh, it's not due to, due to lack of effort our guys are playing hard and and uh, doing everything they can. But uh, that was a, a concern last week. Wasn't uh, what we usually are in the pass rush. We're usually much more effective. And so that's uh, something that hopefully we get back this week. Josh Newman, then Trevor Allen. Kyle, it's been kind of a long road here at this point for Britton Covey. Um, at this point, how, how optimistic are you that he can keep getting healthy and maybe play a larger role in, it, in your offense? Well, I'm optimistic. We're optimistic. Uh, he's optimistic, but uh, it remains to be seen. We'll see how the practice week goes. He's been uh, very limited. And uh, last week you saw him a few snaps here and there on offense, but predominantly used him in the kick return game. Now there wasn't much generated there. Um, the kickoffs were not in a spot. One was in a spot where we probably could have returned it, but, but uh, the other uh, four or five. I thought he made the right decision in, in fair catching or letting it go in the end zone. Uh, he did a nice job on the first punt return and saving us a bunch of yards by coming up and, and making that catch. Uh, took a big hit on the play, but but uh, he's fearless and courageous and and uh, we hope that his role is expanded this week and he's able to do a lot more on offense. But that remains to be seen. We'll have to see how the practice week goes and how he progresses. But uh, we're we're a better football team when he's in the lineup. I can tell you that because he's he's a playmaker. Trevor Allen, followed by Jeff Call. Now, now that two games are, are uh, done, Kyle, uh, how, how would you say Clark Phillips and, and Nate Ritchie have, have played in their first two games in college? I think they played exceptionally well given the circumstances, and they made big improvements uh, from game one to two. I know Nate uh, you know, had to 
a tough matchup with that tight end from Washington this past week. He's a heck of a player, that, that tight end is. But and you also got to throw Fabian Marks in there as well. So those three true freshmen were on the field a bunch uh, together in the game on Saturday. And we came away with uh, three interceptions and and uh, they held down the fort. I mean, they did throw for about 250, but that in this day and age of football, that's not a ton of yards. And when you when you combine that with only 88 rushing yards, the defense played uh, pretty darn good. And if they get a stop on that last drive and hold them to 17 and we win the game, then we're all feeling really good about ourselves right now. And so, but that's not the case. You know, we weren't able to get that stop and and uh, it's unfortunate, but I think those guys are progressing well, as is, uh, you know, the other guys, Tennessee Puchutau, who played a bunch of snaps for us uh, up front. Sione Fotu, our freshman linebacker, played played very well. And he's, he's a guy that uh, I think is not getting as much recognition as he should. He's been very productive for us. We have time for a few more. We'll go to Jeff Call, Steve Bartle, and then Chris Kemron. I got all morning, Paul. I got okay. all morning, so whatever it takes. Coach, how do you uh, go about emphasizing ball security in practice? We go about it every day of the week. Uh, we dedicate periods to nothing but ball security drills. We've been doing that uh, for years. Andy's very tuned into that. Andy Lovell, our coordinator, nobody is neglecting that. Nobody is not paying attention to that. We're all paying attention to it. And it's something we always do pay attention to. And uh, that has been, you know, if you, if you boil it right down to the, the bare bones, that's been our issue. Like I said, I believe if we turn the ball over one time in those first two games, in each game, we probably win both of them. But that's the shoulda, woulda, coulda. That's not the case, but that's how impactful it's been. And uh, it's something that we will continue to emphasize. Uh, there comes a point where you harp on things too much. It becomes almost a self-fulfilling prophecy where it becomes a, a negative, you know, if you, if you rant and rave about it too much. So... Uh, our guys understand how important it is. There's nobody on our offense who doesn't get it as far as uh, ball security. And so we've just got to continue to uh, try to do a better job. Steve Bartle and Chris Camerani. Coach, wanted to ask you about the offensive line. It seemed that they were able to generate a lot more push up front with Nick Ford at center. How do you evaluate that with Orlando Umana out with injury and then just what do you want to see from the offensive line moving forward? Well, you're exactly right. We did get a lot better push and was evidenced by our offensive, uh, our rushing production going way up from the week before. Uh, Nick really is an inside three guy. He's, he's not really at his home position when he's a tackle. He's talented enough to, to do very well there, but he does better inside and his, his future at the next level is, an, is as an inside guy. And so, uh, you know, going forward, we need to see more of the same. Just continue to to get push. Uh, we can. We still need to shore up the pass protection a little bit. It's a little bit too soft at times. Those defensive ends of the Huskies were doing a good job on the outside, uh, narrowing the pocket. We got to keep more width in the pocket with our tackles. We're getting collapsed a little bit, but uh, saw progress. Bottom line, from week one to week two, offensive line was much improved, and uh, we need to take another step forward this week. Chris Camerani. Kyle, I know you want to win every game, but I'm wondering, are there benefits for this young team experiencing the sort of, uh, for lack of a better term, heartbreaking losses as, the, as they move forward as a collective? I guess you could say that. You know, the old adage, what doesn't kill you makes you tougher. And uh, I think there's lessons to be learned, whether you win or lose, there's, there's big lessons to be learned. And, and this team certainly has a, 
a lot of uh, lessons to be learned with uh, the amount of young guys that are getting their opportunity. And uh, so it's, you know, the key is to, to continue to learn and not make the same mistakes twice and, and try to, you know, if you're going to make a mistake, make a new one. And, you know, that's our job as coaches to, to uh, correct mistakes and continue to bring these guys along. They got a great attitude there. There's a lot of uh, fight in these uh, freshmen that are playing and, and a lot of want to. And for the whole team, that for that matter, I don't think there's any lack of that. You look at the tape, and uh, even though we weren't productive in the second half this past game, it was not because of a lack of effort. Everyone's playing as hard as they can. And, and uh, we as coaches have got to put these guys in better positions to make plays. So we didn't do a good enough job as coaches in the second half. And so uh, that's where we're at. Jeff Call. Yeah, what stands out to you, Coach, about uh, Jermar Jefferson in terms of his style and maybe the challenge that he poses this week? Well, he's got size, uh, speed, quickness. Um, you're talking about the tailback, right? Because I, I don't normally name yes. I, I, I go by numbers. But, but uh, anyway, he's a, he's a terrific player. He's uh, productive. Um, he's got vision. He seems to have uh, excellent vision, which all really good backs have. And like I said, he's nearly 220 pounds and, and uh, just a shade under six feet. So he's, he's powerful and uh, he runs hard and their offensive line does a nice job. They're not exceptionally big up front. You know, they're a little bit undersized for, you know, Pac-12 and, and Power 5 standards. But you'd never know it by the way they play because they get they're physical and they they got a, a nasty streak to them, which all all really good offensive lines have that little bit of uh, not a little bit, but a nasty mentality. Uh, that's what they got up front. Chris Kalmrani. Kyle, correct me if I'm wrong, but you have to be at 500 this year to be bowl eligible, and you have two games left on the schedule. Do you harp on that at all to these to these young guys this week to to keep themselves in the running? Because as you know, an extra potential month of practice and and being together goes really far for a young group like this. Well, we're harping on Oregon State right now and trying to find a way to be at our best for those guys and, and let uh, whatever happens after that happen. Uh, with the way the season lays out, it's not an extra month of practice before the bowls. It'll be a couple weeks at best. But uh, it's uh, all our focus, all our attention. We haven't even talked about that uh, as far as postseason. We're just trying to become as good a football team as we can at the moment. And uh, we don't want to get one step ahead of ourselves at all. And so all our focus is channeled to uh, this week. There's been no talk of anything but Oregon State, nor will there be. That's, uh, that's where we're at. Okay, thank you very much, Kyle. All right, there's Kyle Whittingham's weekly media availability. Hit a lot of things there. Probably the the name that is new to people, PK, is Jamar Jefferson. If you've watched Oregon State football, he is putting up enormous numbers at running back. He's from Harbor City, California, your old stomping grounds. He's a gaucho. Torrance, Wilmington, not that far from Long Beach and Redondo Beach. and. Yeah, he went to Narbonne as a senior. I think he went to Redondo uh, earlier and then transferred over. Yeah, he, he actually he's, he's crushing he burst on the scene as a freshman and rushed for over 1,000. Last year he had some injuries, and if I remember correctly, it was in the high sixes, which he's already just a done. few yards yeah. away <laughs> this <done>. season. <laughs> he's, at, yeah, so. he's at 675 yards 
through four games. At the rate mm-hmm. he's yeah. going, he yeah. could be a thousand yard back in this in a seven game season because yeah. they haven't missed a game yet. They're one of the few teams that has played four games. 120 yards against Washington State in the opener, then 133 against Washington. And then you figure he's a marked man, right, by the third week. He runs for 196 against Cal and then 226 against Oregon. Good grief. Those are huge games. Yeah, he's really good. I mean, he was a freshman All-American and all that stuff uh, in, in 2018. I think he rushed for like 1,300 yards. So he was really good last year, as I say, was injuries. He's an NFL kid, I would think. I'm not an NFL scout, but it looks like he's got all the qualifications there. Reminds me a little bit of uh, Joshua Kelly for uh, UC Los Angeles uh, last year, who I think he plays for the Chargers now. And it's going to be an interesting subplot, a game within the game, because Utah normally doesn't allow a whole lot of rushing yards. And even this year, as they have a developing defense, they still have done very, very well in the run defense, and Oregon State uses this kid a lot, so it's something to watch. If he goes for, let's say, uh, off the top of my head, 150, it's going to be tough for the Utes to win, but I would be very surprised if he did do that. Well, when he's been held under 150 yards, Oregon State is 0-2. When he's over 150, they're 2-0. They really need him to go off, and the thing is, he, he is going off. He's averaging 7 Point four yards per carry. He's at ninety one carries on the year, so that's not uh, some you know you break a long run, but you're you're a third down back who only gets a few touches. I mean, he he's a workhorse. He's over twenty he carries is, per yeah. game. And I don't know what's going on with the quarterback because we saw he was injured at the end there. So I don't know how much they're going to be able to throw the ball. And I do know that T.J. Husmanzada is not walking through that door. Oh, old school Oregon State right there. Chad Johnson, baby. Ocho Cinco. All right, D.J. Yeah, and Pika. I, I wanted okay. to go deeper than Chad Johnson. That's a good call I mean, on Husmanzada, though. He's too. He's, yeah, I, I, I wanted to be. And plus, I wanted to say Hushmanzada. It's like in Elf, Francisco. That's a fun name to say. <laughs> so go. is Hushmanzada, right? It, re- it really is. It's melodic. Yeah. It's melodic. Yeah. All right. When we come back, more of what uh, Kyle, uh, more reaction to what Kyle just had to say, and we will get to that coming up. DJ and PK. It's ninety-seven-five and twelve eighty. The zone. Let's go. The big show. It's a big with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Utah blowing a 21-point halftime lead. I think it's a combination of big mistakes from young players and Utah's tendency to sit on leads. I'm going to put more on the big mistakes by young players for one specific reason. If Ty Jordan doesn't fumble the ball and they complete that drive, Utah wins. Man, I felt for him. They're going to be mistakes. you got to iron out these things, but they were pretty darn conservative. You just can't play that way anymore. College football, you got too many people who can score points. Washington was averaging 35 points a game. Coming into that game, can't sit on any lead. The Big Show. Weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. All right, takeaways from uh, Kyle Winningham talking about his team. We uh, There was a little bit about Oregon State and Jamar Jefferson. We just discussed the outstanding running back for Oregon State who's putting up massive numbers. But it's more about the youth. It's about getting better. There was progress week one to week two, but not enough. Squandering a 21-point lead, just leaving a bitter taste in everyone's mouth. It's funny. We were talking about it. Um, you know, Kyle knows the odds of playing field position. It's why he puts so much... Emphasis on the punt game, and he brought up 12 plays and 80-plus yards for the game-winning touchdown. And if they, get a, if they get a sack there, they hold them to 17 and win the game. 
there just aren't many teams that say, hey, we're going to hold you to 17 and win the game. You got to play good defense, but you got to score more points than that. Playing good defense can evolve giving up 20 or 24 points in college football these days. So you got to score more. Yeah, you go. You have to score more. I, I, I go back to what Bronco used to say. You know, and these guys study everything possible, right? They know whatever there is to know. And he had, and, and the with the advent of the passing attack, as obviously as prolific as it is now throughout. Uh, high school football even, for that matter, and obviously all the way up to the NFL, he felt 24, from a defensive perspective, was a good number. And that's what the Utes did. Now, it turned out it was in one half, so it seems like it wasn't quite as good, and they had the big, long drive at the end to win the game, so I understand that. But the point I'm making, and the emphasis is offensively, you've got to score more than 21. You've You've got to get about 30. Herm Edwards has hit this because... He is sort of a, a, a Kyle-like coach, comes from the defensive perspective, and their offense hasn't been near good enough. And he was saying, you've got to get to 30 points to win college football games. Those, and, and that's not, he's not just randomly picking out 30. I mean, it's based on studying and the data shows. And if you look at the Devils, they've only played one game now. Their season's been all jacked up, obviously, with the COVID. And they scored 27, and they lost by one point, right? And so he was right in that game. You win, you score 30, you probably win that game. So that's what the offense has to do. You have to get to that point if you want to win consistently. If you don't, then it's going to be very difficult. doesn't mean you can't win, but it's going to be very difficult. I mean, SC won that game, which seems like it was about three years ago now, uh, 28-27. So they did win the game without getting to 30. But as I look at Utah, this is a jacked-up season completely, right? So it's hard for me to really put it on the record books and say, oh, this season is going to be a failure or a success when we, when we get done with it here in a couple of weeks. But if you want to take it for what it's worth in terms of winning and losing, which I'm not willing to do completely like I would a normal season, but for the sake of argument, go down that direction right now. This is the pivotal game this week. If they don't win this game, then it's going to be very difficult for me if I want to describe the season success, not success, based on record. It's going to be very difficult to describe the season as a success based on record if they don't beat Oregon State at home. Three-game losing streaks suck regardless of the circumstances. And the circumstances are bizarre, outrageous, freakishly unusual, and nonetheless, a three-game losing streak sucks. There's, there's no spinning that. And it's senior night. You always want to win. Send the seniors out on a right note. There's 50-50 chance this is senior <laughs> night. We don't even know senior night for sure. <laughs> it is, too. It's senior night. What are you talking about? Because they're going to play that last game on championship weekend. They're going to have another home game. It's 50-50. Yeah, but that's the postseason. No, it's not. This is senior night. No, that's not postseason. It's the fifth game of the bizarro regular season. If you don't know, if you know you have a game scheduled and you don't know the opponent, that screams postseason. And yet it's not. It's a home game, unless it's a road game. Uh, unless it's Stanford and it's a neutral field game because Stanford can't play home. No, I just Where's Stanford I going? I saw the Niners are going to go down to uh, Glendale. Where's Stanford going? Uh, they, well, they've got a road game, and I guess the thought is they're going to yeah. stay in the Northwest and figure it out. I think Stanford's next game is Oregon State. It is. So my guess is it's going to be a game in Corvallis. I think they're going to have so to. So Stanford has a bye this week? What are you talking about? No, they're at Washington game? this week. They're already on the road. 
So when they they're going to leave for oh, the game beyond and, that beyond this week right after Washington they play Oregon State They'll at stay home. Stay up in the region because it's that would make sense to me. Hours I haven't heard I, I haven't heard officially what they're going to do, but why not just make it a game in Corvallis? Why would you run another stadium when Oregon State's got one right there? Just stay up oh, there. Oh yeah, there'd be no need. I mean, yeah. I, and, and, and home field. It's, the Utes did not lose that game because they had to go to Seattle. That's for sure. No. <laughs> uh, and so, and I saw that Arizona and Colorado basketball. Which I think was supposed to be tomorrow is is now off. It's off Colorado, Colorado's the, issues. You're supposed to have seven players apparently, and they don't. So, uh, just one thing I wanted to say about that thirty points. It's not an arbitrary number. We we're talking about how Kyle studies the numbers. There, there's yeah. two kinds of coaches. There's the coaches who study the numbers themselves, and the coaches who assign someone to study the numbers and then report back to them. They all know them. And the 30 points a game, just even in this bizarro season, you can call up the stats online. Florida gives up exactly 30 points a game. It's 67th out of 130 teams. 65, 66 would be the middle. So essentially, that's average in college football. Florida gives up 30 points a game. Now, Florida's got a great record because they outscore people. If they give up an average of 30 points a game, they're going to outscore people and win games. Actually, North Carolina is 68, and they got a pretty good record. Uh, they can't handle Notre Dame and Clemson, but after that, they're pretty good. Oh, yeah, Florida's throwing four touchdown passes in the first quarter, aren't they? <laughs> well, Trask is good, and Pitts is awesome. <laughs> if you haven't seen Florida's tight end, that guy is going to be on your fantasy football team very quickly. Uh, I think he's a junior, isn't he, Yach? You know this stuff. He's a junior. But he's leaving. Oh, 100%. He's leaving for the first round. He's a first-round draft. After everybody takes the quarterbacks, he he goes. The NFL tight ends are in vogue, and you get a guy like that, he is He's a matchup nightmare. He's the best tight end in the state of Florida, and that includes Gronk. Wow, look at you go. <laughs> hey, all right. <laughs> Uh, the number 17, when, when Kyle's just said that, you know, that would have been the winning number. There are only 13 teams in the country that give up 17 points or less a game. 17 is an excellent number if you can pull it off. And yes, BYU is one of those teams at number six, giving up 14 points a game. Uh, There's that number six again. Wow, number six, six for BYU. Number six. Uh, I guess to Kyle's point, he would just say, yeah, but if we do hold it to 17, then we're an excellent team. Because on that list of teams, Wisconsin, Cincinnati, BYU, Northwestern, San Jose State, Coastal Carolina, Notre Dame, those are all teams having great seasons. And they're all holding teams to 17 points or less. And those are all teams having pretty good years. San Diego State's on the list, but they're wasting their good defense. Don't get me started, PK. I'll get myself started. Okay. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, uh, more on the Utes, more on the Cougars. If you missed Dylan Colley, we'll get you up to speed on what he had to talk about. Also, PK, we haven't gotten to it yet. We have to discuss the uh, jazz management. Uh, Dennis Lindsay, Justin Zanuck meeting with the media yesterday, uh, post-free agency in advance of the start of the season. Three weeks. The NBA season tips off three weeks from tonight. And we'll get to that coming up next. Stay with us.